The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to Astros Baseball, a podcast by a fan. For the fans of the Houston Astros, here is your host, Rob Fontenot. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to this episode of Astros Baseball. Uh, today we're going to do um, a Astros and Rays American League Championship Series preview. So tonight... I am joined by Alex Murphy, uh, the host of the Raise the Roof podcast. Alex, thanks for joining me tonight, buddy. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Well, as an outsider watching the game between you and the Yankees, I really enjoyed the great pitching matchup. And I think every, every run was, what, a home run? There was one home run that was saved. Uh, what was your uh, mentality watching that game? How nuts were you going? Uh, that's kind of the exact opposite of what I was. So usually when I watch Rays games, I'm a nervous wreck. That's that's kind of the easiest way to put it. Uh, basically, um, I'm usually just down in my basement watching the games. And I think I sat in like three different chairs. I was pacing back and forth, um, just trying to figure out just different because I'm extremely superstitious when it, when it comes to all kinds of sports. So I have to do everything the exact same way every game. It seems like even though, you know, superstition can only take you so, you know, can only take you so far. But yeah, it was it was very stressful. Um, not as much cheering as you would think, kind of just like watching it, thinking about stuff. And it was all just like a mental game in my head. Um, Honestly, when uh, when Rosarena hit the home run that was robbed by Gardner, I like I was working on stuff on my computer um, and just trying to like calm myself down. And then he hits the he hits the ball, uh, which which looked like it was going out, and it just kind of took me by surprise because I looked up and I was like, "Oh, there's a fly ball heading to the seats." And then Gardner caught it, and it didn't even look like anyone realized that he just robbed the home run because he just did it so nonchalantly. But, the, yeah, that entire game, it was Judge, Judge started out with a home run. Uh, Meadows came back, uh, with tied the game up with a solo shot in the fifth, uh, which was the second to last out that – or third to last out that, that, that Garrett Cole had in his outing. Um, and I'm really, really glad that the team was found a way to uh, really make him work the count. And they did that with all of the pitchers that, that the Yankees used because I feel like they overworked Britton and Chapman in the series, which obviously showed in the eighth inning with uh, Mike Brousseau. Uh, getting his uh, ultimate revenge back after almost n- getting nailed in the head with a 101 mile an hour fastball. But yeah, that at bat, I was stretching behind a chair, just pacing back and forth, and then he hit it. And then I was just in a state of, oh my God, I can't believe what I'm watching. And the ninth inning, I think, was the calmest that I've ever been watching a game. And it still kind of really hasn't set in for me that they won, just because I didn't, I, I didn't, you know, it's just, it's, it's crazy for me to, to, to witness it. And it was, it was so much fun, even though it was stressful for me, but it was just, it was so entertaining. So Judge did hit a home run and the 
I think it was the first – was it the first home run you had where he tried to jump for it and he hit his head on the fence? He kind yeah. Of, I, guess, yeah. I guess the fence uh, overhangs or something. And uh, it, it, that home run looked like it was close enough that it could have been robbed. So, that was a pretty good break there on that play. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I know when I was watching it, I was uh, I was really concerned about Judge because I didn't want him to get hurt at all. As, as much as I as much as I dislike the Yankees, I don't want players to get hurt or any sort of thing like that because you know that, that ruins the the quality of the game that you're watching. But I think that Meadows got enough of it to where even if Judge was able to catch it, because I know that there was a little bit of that overhang where the I think it's like the out of town scoreboard or whatever they have out in right field. I think there was enough where even if Judge actually got full extension, he wasn't going to be able to rob it. But they did get lucky that he he got kind of stopped in his tracks by the wall. And, yeah, it was it was a huge boost for them uh, to tie the game up because Cole was throwing a no-hitter at that point. So it was huge that they got that, uh, that, that quick jolt of energy from, uh, from Meadows. Okay, so let's go back to what we were, what you were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, Br- Brousseau, is that his name? Yeah, 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 Mike Brousseau. Okay, so I remember, I don't really keep up with a whole lot of other teams other than the Astros, Okay, but I remember that game. I remember seeing the highlights either on uh, Twitter or TV or somewhere, but Chapman did throw that heater over his head. And I mm-hmm. know there was uh, huge tensions between the two teams. Yeah. And I, f- I found this year's playoffs just really crazy that everybody ended up playing their interdivision rival. It just worked out that way. Yeah. And so how big of a rivalry has it turned in for you with the Yankees? And how much fire did that? Hundred mile an hour ball over his head add to add fuel to the fire. Well, in the last, so I don't want to a hundred percent say that the Yankees raise that that thing as a rivalry yet because obviously Yankees Red Sox is still the rivalry of the AL East, but it's definitely becoming more of a hotly contested matchup between the two. I know that game kind of elevated it because the Rays had been playing well against them. And the Yankees came down with some injuries over the course of the season. So they weren't necessarily 100% when they played them in that series. And when Chapman threw that pitch, now there was a whole, um, for those that uh, know who John Boy Media is, he's a huge Yankees fan um, and does a bunch of videos on baseball stuff. So he kind of detailed the history before of uh, Rays pitchers throwing at Yankees hitters and vice versa. And I feel like that was kind of the cherry on top of it. And I think earlier in that game, if I'm not mistaken, uh, at least I think Tanaka was pitching in that game and he threw it a Rays hitter. And then I don't know if a Rays pitcher threw it another Yankees guy, but I know in that ninth inning, Chapman was throwing stuff up and into the Rays hitters. And then when he threw that ball over Brousseau's head, regardless of whether it was intentional or unintentional, you're, you're, you're literally endangering the life of someone because I'm sure that no one wants to get hit with 101 mon. 101 mile an hour fastball to the head it's just that's extremely concerning but it did make things a lot more uh heated between the two teams I know the next night Brissot ended up hitting two home runs Mm -hmm. and and it was and it was a huge thing and he pimped out the one home run a la Sammy Sosa which was great but yeah this this series was there was a lot on the line for for those that were kind of outsiders to it there was a lot on the line between these two teams because the Rays won the season series in the regular season eight two 
and it was and the Rays just looked dominant and it, you know it would have been it like all of that wouldn't have mattered if the Yankees would have won this series but the Rays were just able to find that find that last bit of energy and find that last clutch hit to get them into the ALCS which was huge so it's definitely moving forward it's definitely going to be a much bigger thing so you guys were up two games to one mm-hmm. and then they win game four and then they come back with uh, Garrett Cole in game five and it kind of seemed like to me that they probably had the momentum going into that because they won that game and then they have Garrett Cole mm-hmm. uh, but you know I didn't expect him to go very far but he did pitch very well and uh, like you said the the good thing the Rays did is you made him throw a lot of pitches mm-hmm. I believe he was in what about the fifth inning and he was already in the 80s or something yeah. a, a great job by you guys so uh, congratulations on reaching the American League Championship Series so we talked about the Yankees, and I was asking you how, how much you hate them. And it is not a secret that a lot of baseball fans hate the Astros. And that's who you're playing now. So one quick question before we get into our series. Sure. If the, if the Yankees would have beat y'all, who would you be rooting for? No one. In the Yankees Astros. No one. I I would have I would have wanted bad things to happen that don't that that were like outside of the actual baseball world, and I, I don't want to reveal that stuff. But I would like I w- I would have gotten into a very cynical point. But no, I wouldn't have rooted for anyone. No offense to the Yankees or Astros, uh, but it's I I wouldn't have had any 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 dogs in the race anymore. I probably would have. Hopefully, if, if, if the Marlins would have went a little bit longer in their series against the Braves, it would have tried to pull for the Marlins more and just went full NL. Uh, but, yeah, no, I, uh, unfortunately, I don't think I would have had a, a horse in that race. Yeah, I guess it's kind of like you're not really rooting for them, but if you had to see one get through, you, you just could care less. Yeah, honestly, because then I would have just been like, oh, well, I just hope that the Dodgers come at, come out of the NL because the Dodgers are just yeah. out of their minds good. All right, so the, the question that I have, and I'm going to talk about it tomorrow on uh, my other show, mm-hmm. but we, we were playing – I mean, you guys were playing the Yankees. Uh, Astros would play the winners – and it, it was two different thoughts. You have, because I, I, I can't stand the Yankees, so we have that in common. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I was rooting for you guys. I didn't want them to make it to the ALCS, although it would be nice to have a chance to beat them, but I just wanted them to get eliminated as soon as possible but I think some people might have wanted to see the rematch. But for me, no. I, I didn't want to – not that I didn't think we could beat them, but I didn't want to risk – I didn't want to risk them beating us. Yeah. And now that you took care of business, the Rays took care of business, that's something I don't have to worry about. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, uh, yeah you're welcome for that. <laughs> All right, so let me ask you about this. Um, I asked you if y'all played in Tropicana Field and 
at least in my knowledge, you have a not a very good reputation for putting butts in the seats at your stadium. What, what, what's going on over there is, I mean, what I heard is that it's not even in Tampa. Yeah. And it's like in like some city that a bunch of retired people live and you have to drive 45 minutes away or something. What's going on over there? Yeah, so basically, so St. Peter, um, so, so Tropicana Field, which is the home stadium of the Rays, is in St. Petersburg, Florida, which is just across the bay, uh, which is hence the reason why it's called the Tampa Bay area. Um, it's just across the bay from the actual, the, uh, the city of Tampa, which is where both the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are. Also, funny enough, the New York Yankees spring training home and their uh, I think it's their high A affiliate, which is the Tampa Tarpons. So somehow the Yankees found a way to get space in, in Tampa, but the Rays didn't, which is, I don't understand that, but yeah, basically. So Tropicana field was built with the hope in, it was built 30 years ago with the hope to actually attract another team that wasn't the Rays and mm -hmm. that didn't work. So it ended up, they used it for the lightning when they first started. And then they were like, Oh, we have this stadium. Why don't we try to attract an, an MLB team? And then the Rays became a thing, and then they were able to get them there. And after their first year, they really haven't been able to generate that great of attendance. I know that a lot of people dock the stadium for, you know, for what it looks like. And I know, you know, a fixed-roof stadium isn't what people necessarily want. But honestly, in my opinion, the efforts that the team and the organization has made to to renovate the inside of the stadium, add new things, uh, whether, whether that be new food options, new merchandise stores, uh, other amenities for fans to kind of experience and, and see uh, during a game. I feel like they've made it very hospitable. And again, people are still going to dock that because they're going to say fixed roof stadium. They're going to say catwalks so all the, all these things. But honestly, I love that more because that just plays into our advantage because people always blame the stadium instead of us. I know the Yankees were blaming like Aaron Boone and the rest of the team uh, were blaming the stadium, but like you can't blame the stadium because it is what it is. Like you have to play with what you have. So with the Rays, that means playing in a fixed roof stadium. But yeah, going back to your going back to your question, it is in a, it is in a bad location. I know it's I think it's off I two seventy five, which is kind of like a main highway um, in the area. But in terms of act in terms of Tampa, actually, there it, it is quite a ways to get there, and to, it's really not that far mileage wise. But traffic wise, since obviously most of the games are at night it creates a lot of problems, people trying to get over the bridge to get the games. And a lot of people have been complaining about that. The Rays have have submitted and put out stadium proposals, but the stadium proposals that they've put out, I know the newest one that they, that they put out, which was supposed to be in Ybor City, which is actually in Tampa, it was, I think they put like an $892 million price tag on it. And after the debacle that happened with the Marlins Stadium, and how their their ownership led by Jeffrey Loria coaxed the city into paying for five-sixths of the stadium, over 80% of the stadium, which was over $500 million. There was no way that taxpayers in the area were actually going to say, let's support this idea. So if they can find a way to actually create a stadium that's significantly less than that and has the same sort of amenities, because they don't need to make it big. I mean, they have they have taken out more seats in the last 20 years of them being a franchise than they've had average attendance in the last how like in the last seven or eight years they've they've taken out over twenty thousand seats in the, in the stadium so now the actual capacity of the stadium is like twenty five but they haven't had I think they've averaged like fourteen or fifteen.
for the last however many years, and it, it hasn't been over 20 in quite a while. So here's hoping that they'll actually create some sort of a good proposal that's not crazy money. And here's hoping that that owner Stuart Sternberg will actually realize that Montreal isn't a viable city because literally Canada said, no, we don't want the Blue Jays to be playing baseball in Canada in 2020 because we just don't care about baseball enough. So maybe that'll actually, you know, let him know that, that putting, trying to get a team up to Montreal is just not a good idea. And we'll actually have to, we'll, we'll actually have the opportunity to have a really, really nice stadium in the city. Okay. Next question. Uh, during the off season, uh, the Astros had their sign stealing scandal Mm -hmm. fired their manager and general manager, which left us some openings. We took Dusty Baker, who was jobless at the time, but, he, you know, somebody that I felt was a good choice, you know, someone that was well-respected. That's something you needed. And then we go to your, your ball club and pluck James Click from your front office. Uh, there were – stories there were people i remember when that happened that thought it was unfair mm -hmm. that uh that we took someone out of your front office and then you know and it, it and now you have to replace him and we should have been penalized and picked someone that you know like just filled the spot with someone that wasn't already on someone's team yeah uh how, how did you feel when that happened was it a big deal or I, I mean, honestly, knowing because the Rays also, uh, Hein Bloom left and went to the Red Sox, and the Rays have had a history of front office guys going to other organizations and being successful, yet the team itself still found a way to kind of plug in pieces. And with what they have now, I mean, their front office, obviously, if the team has made it to the ALCS, the front office is doing something right, regardless of who has you know, who has cycled in and out of the, of the Rays baseball program, if you want to consider that a thing. Mm -hmm. So, you know, thinking about it uh, now, I'm not really as it's, it, to me, it doesn't seem like as big of a deal. I don't, I don't really know if Rays fans kind of feel that way. I know, I mean, obviously if you want to get into it, we can talk about science doing stuff. And, and I, it's, it was just, I mean, it's a whole fiasco in itself. And then I don't want to go into that much of detail, but I personally, if we're going to go back to talking about Dusty Baker, I don't get why it took a sign stealing scandal and, and a job opening like that to get him back in baseball because Dusty Baker is a proven winning manager and has gotten a team to a world series before. So I'm glad that he has a position now at some major league baseball team. And clearly it's shown that he's a good manager because he took this Astros team that was below 500 this year and didn't look that good at the regular season and has turned them into a postseason juggernaut. And they're now in the AOCS. So, I don't get why it took that to happen, but, and a same thing, the same thing with the front office, they've, they've switched things around and you know, the pieces are kind of looking like they're going together now with what's, with what's going on in the postseason. So, you know, it's, I, I think, I think from the race perspective, it's not that big of a deal. I, I know it's, yeah. it's, 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 it's tough to lose guys, but you know, it's, it's not like, you know, the, you know, the, the world, the world's falling apart. Yeah, I didn't figure it would be that big of a deal. I think people were just complaining because it was the Astros and yeah. everybody's all upset with us. Uh, but, yeah, you're talking about Dusty Baker. I think the guy took the Nationals to the playoffs and got fired, I guess, because he, he didn't win it all or something. And they ended up winning it the next year. 
Yeah. But uh, I don't know. I mean, we have a lot of people, a lot of fans that wish we could get A.J. Hinch back next year, and I mm-hmm. just don't understand that at all. I, I don't agree with that. I don't Dusty's know why. Dusty's a good manager. Want... Dusty's a good manager. I don't get why you wouldn't want to keep Dusty. He's a, he's a player's manager. I like. Well, I, I like him. Yeah, I, he's a good man. I mean, I understand the A.J. Hinch thing because obviously he helped them win a World Series, but – you can't take him back after what happened as much as, as much as you want to, you, you can't say, Oh, let's just overlook all of that stuff. So like keeping dusty for the, for the future, I think is a good thing for them. Yeah. That's my point is you want AJ Hinch, but he couldn't even run his own team. He was letting the guys do whatever they wanted. Yeah, you know, he, he made the claims that I was upset about them doing it. So I took a baseball bat to some monitors and it's like, I want a manager that the guys are going to respect and listen to and a guy that has the balls, you know, to run his team. I don't mm-hmm. want a guy that the team runs him. So, yeah. Anyway, enough of that. Yeah. <laughs> so let's go, to the, let's go to this guy. You have a guy on your roster that spent a few years with the Astros, and he is probably – in, in the recent era of the Astros since going to the American League, probably the favorite former Astro, and I'm talking about Charlie Morton. How big of a fan favorite is Charlie Morton in Tampa? Oh, people love him. It, and it's like, I mean, we only signed him for a two-year contract, so, I mean, he is going to have a limited time here. But he has said that, he, that, that he's one to stay in the area, so hopefully he'll take a pay cut. And he'll stay with the team because I love watching him pitch. It's great to have a reliable starter because at the beginning of his career, he was not even close to that. I think he went to the Phillies and he started like two games. And then he said, oh, my arms hurt and then didn't pitch the rest of the season. And then he has a resurgence back with the Astros, uh, you know, pitches five innings of relief in that game seven and helps him win the World Series. And then comes over to the Rays and is already pitching in huge games. I mean, he pitched in, he, he pitched in game three of the ALDS this year. He pitched mm-hmm. in, in the wild card game last year against the Athletics in a packed uh, Oakland Coliseum and made their, made, made their lineup look silly. He, he's, a, he's a very reliable – I mean, he was third in the Cy Young voting last year. He's a very reliable pitcher. Uh, it's, we love him. Uh, it's, uh, it's the, the, I'm sure the love affair is the same in the, in, in, in the Tampa St. Pete area as it, as it is or was in Houston. All right, so let's get into the series now. Uh, game one is tomorrow already. Mm-hmm. The Astros have had one extra day off because they close things out. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sunday's game is an evening game, and I guess that's because the National League probably starts a day after that. Yep, yep. And we have, we have Framber Valdez against Blake Snell. Is Blake Snell your number one guy? That's a good question because – Yes and no, because technically we could have three guys that could be in the number one spot, in my opinion. It's, it's between Snell, Morton, and Glasnow. Those are, kind mm-hmm. of our, those are kind of our big three. And you can interchange them anywhere. It, the, I think the thing that's nice is, is that what happened, so Glasnow ended up pitching uh, kind of like an opener role in game five after pitching in game three, which was really weird to kind of see him on like one or two days of rest. Uh, but he ended up pitching well there and we didn't have to use any of our starters because I know that both Snell and Morton were warming up in the bullpen. 
So now we can – I'm pretty sure we're going to throw them out game one, game two, Snell, Snell game one, Morton game two. But Snell has looked a lot better this year than he did last year. Last year was really tough because coming off of his Cy Young year, he was banged up. He wasn't the same pitcher that he was. And this year he's really come back to that pitcher that he was in 2018 when he won the Cy Young. And he's a power pitcher. He's, I mean, he's a lefty, so he's got really, really good off-speed stuff. And he's, he, he's, he does throw pitches, but he strikes guys out. And I think he's got really good command. And he's, he's been growing in terms of maturity and, you know, to command the strike zone more. So I, I think that uh, – I, I think he's a perfect choice for a game one starter. But honestly, you could go with any one of those three guys, and I'd be happy. Yeah, so we're going to have two lefties going at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Framber Valdez has turned into our most reliable pitcher. He's mm-hmm. got great stuff. He gives you seven innings every game. This guy was someone that, you know, that you that barely makes the roster and pitches sometimes, and they send him back down. He's got control issues. And he comes back this year and just blows everyone away. And uh, he, he's the most surprising, I would have never guessed it, at the beginning of the year, mm-hmm. that Framer Valdez not only would be our most reliable pitcher, but he'd be starting game one of the yeah. American League Championship Series. So you said Charlie Morton is, is going to pitch game two. Has that been announced with y'all? I don't know if it's been announced, but it's probably going to happen considering that he pitched, he pitched game three. And, and because Glassnow ended up pitching game five, Morton's going to mm-hmm. be the well-rested one after him. So they'll probably just go Snell and Morton and then figure out three and four. Because honestly, they can go like 15 different ways with what they want to do. Because I just don't understand. Like, like Kevin Cash just has a way of doing things, and it's, it's, it's always seemed to work out for the best. So he could go like a million different ways with what he wants to do in three and four. But I think from, from just kind of like deciphering stuff, it's probably going to be Snell and Morton. So we go from game one, two lefties, and then you go to game two, and we will – they've already announced Lance McCullers Jr. is starting game two. Mm-hmm. And, and if he faces Morton, what is cool about that to me that I just realized – is that that was the combo for that game seven? Wow, the World Series. So wow. that's pretty cool. I, I think I think McCullers started game seven and Morton closed it out. Right, he pitched yeah. the last four or five innings. So that's yeah. pretty cool storyline. Yeah, definitely. Besides them being former teammates, and according to what I just read, it's not. It's all to be determined. But we're looking at probably Grinky in game three and Arcady okay. in game four. That's interesting. And then, and then Christian Javier hasn't been starting in the playoffs because, you know, it's three or five games. We even haven't even needed him yet. He's been mm-hmm. in the – he's been pitching out of the bullpen. Mm-hmm. So, we'll see how that works out. It all depends on who wins games and, you know, but – I think now, if you, it, I watch the Rays, you know, you had a start. You had a – what is it called? The guys that begin oh, the game. Oh, uh, the opener. Opener. So, so you guys had an opener. Uh, we had series where we didn't even use the guys in the bullpen. And with the seven-game series, no days off, it, it's going to be a test of pitching staffs big time. 
Mm -hmm. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. It's, I mean, knowing the Rays, they've, I think they've been used the most in terms of innings and this year. And I think last year, and they're just kind of used to just coming into games, especially the bullpen to just, just coming into games and shutting things down. I know there's um, uh, for, you know, for uh, you Astros fans that don't know, there's uh, after that game uh, when, uh, when Brissell almost got nailed in the head, uh, manager Kevin Cash came out and said, we have a stable full of uh, guys that can throw 98, uh, you know, a little bit of a threat, but also 100% yeah. true. The Rays have a bunch of guys in their bullpen that can just throw absolute gas. There was a kid that they brought up, Shane McClanahan, who pitched his first major league game in the postseason, and he was hitting one, and he was hitting 101, and I was just in shock because I had no clue that he could throw that hard. And they just plucked this guy. I mean, he came from USF, so University of South Florida, but to my knowledge, but I mean, like mm. he he basically came out of nowhere and he's throwing absolute heat. Now I'm just like, oh, okay this is just another guy that we can add because that's just how the Rays work. They just find these guys from these random places and fit them in and piece them together. I mean, just going through their bullpen, you have Nick Anderson, Diego Castillo, Pete Fairbanks, um, obviously McClanahan, uh, Aaron Loop, uh, uh, Sleggers, John Curtis. Like there's a bunch of guys that they can use and they can kind of just like switch things out to what they want. And they'll make things work, and it's it's it seemed to have worked so far. So going back to our ALDS, um, all of our starters gave up four runs, except Framer Valdez gave up two. Uh, so, but but the ball was flying out big time mm -hmm. in LA, and I think this next series is in San Diego. Yeah, and I and I. I don't know the weather. I don't know the difference in San Diego and L.A., so I don't know if that's going to be a factor. But the Astros' first series with the Twins was very low scoring, and then the Astros' offense came alive. We have Correa batting 500. He had three homers and 11 RBIs in the series, a 611 on base percentage. Altuve had a 526 on base percentage. Bregman had a 500. Uh, I mean, the core group is, is, is hitting awesome. So we have our pitching going and we have our hitting going. So we go from a 29 and 31 team to a team that is, is firing on all cylinders and, I like what I saw from you guys. You look tough. I think it's going to be a great matchup. Mm -hmm. I agree. Uh, I'm not going to do any, you know, any predictions. Oh, I wasn't planning on it either. Because <laughs> I, I have no idea. But I think it's going to be good. And I'm glad you guys got in. I really like the Rays, how they build teams without having to buy it. Mm -hmm. I think it's very interesting. It, what's amazing to me is the Rays are always good. Yeah. <laughs> they may not be good enough to win the World Series every year, but they're always good. Yeah, yeah, they've been consistently good. I mean, they they have they draft so well. They have the best – I think right now they have the best farm system in baseball. And there are so many guys that, like, based, you know, on their current roster right now, there are so many guys that they could bring up that would just fit in so well. I mean, they have Wander Franco, who's the best prospect in baseball right now, who who could honestly play either third or short. Uh, and there's just so many guys that they could just pluck out. And they've, they've plucked – I mean, for example, uh, so um, 
I went to the University of Maryland, and we happen to have a guy from the University of Maryland on the Rays right now, Brandon Lau, who was drafted in the third round in 2015. In terms of, like, you know, prospect watch, no one cared or knew who he was except for, like, me and anyone else who either followed Maryland or followed the Rays or maybe followed the Big Ten and or ACC when Maryland was in the ACC before they moved to the Big Ten. And he's come out of nowhere. I know in the playoffs he hasn't been as good as advertised as he was in the regular season. But he was an AL MVP candidate for the first month of the year. And no one knew who he was. It's like the fact that they can get guys like that and find them and then piece them together and then they turn into absolute studs is – I don't know how they do it, but they do it and it's incredible to watch. Yeah, we have a good reputation. Uh, we talked about Charlie Morton earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, pitching with Philadelphia. No one's ever even heard of the guy. And he comes to Houston and Brent Strom turns him around. And so this is how the Astros feel. The same way you do about your organization. You give us any pitcher that's struggling somewhere else. And we're totally confident that Stromy can turn them around and make them, make them a great pitcher. So looking at this series, thinking about the Astros under 500, thinking about the Astros not having their rookie of the year from last year, uh, looking at them not having Justin Verlander at all. Uh, pretty amazed that we're here and I'm pretty happy that we're here. And, uh, that's all I have, buddy. I mean, I hope I uh, hope you enjoyed coming on. I enjoyed oh, talking to you. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. I can't wait for this series. It's going to be so much fun. I know that there, you know, there are a lot of bad things that a lot of people are throwing at the Astros. But aside from that, right now, I mean, this is not a team that's currently cheating. Like, like this is a good Astros team in the playoffs, and their players are clicking on all cylinders right now. I know that the pitching isn't what all Astros fans hope because Verlander's out uh, for the year, but this is a very good Astros team, and it's a very good race team, and it's going to be a very good series because these teams have bad blood from last year, and it's going to carry over into this year, I think. (laughs) All right, buddy. Well, that's all I have. Uh, Thanks for tuning in, guys. Uh, Alex Murphy, thanks for uh, joining me. Uh, raise the roof that's r-a-y-s mm-hmm. so that's very very clever name yeah. sir <laughs> yeah. uh, alex murphy raise the roof uh game one tomorrow six thirty our time seven thirty your time valdez and snail we'll see you next time folks on astros baseball Thanks for listening to this episode of Astros Baseball. Make sure to subscribe so that way you will be alerted when there is a new episode. Follow Rob on Twitter at Rob Fontenot. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. 
Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.